Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour as we are going to dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. See my Tommy Guns out this week. They'll return next week. And we had a really, really exciting weekend for the Sweet Science. A lot of action down here. We'll get into the drama that went down at Hialeah Racetrack this past Friday night. But we got to start off with the boxing match that was heavily hyped. Going into last night, everybody excited to see the two top technicians in the sweet science step into the ring together and see what kind of magic they could put forth. And what we saw was pure domination once again from Vasily, now dubbed, self-dubbed, Nomaschenko. Vasily Lomachenko yesterday making Guillermo Rigondeau quit on the stool in the sixth round or after the sixth round and... Claim there was a hand injury. A lot of people super skeptical of that claim from Guillermo Rigondeau. They think that he was just outclassed. At that point, the best argument you could make for him was, was 5-1. If you gave him the first round, it was probably 6-0, and he just took out on the 10-8 round. And I don't think Rigondeau looked at a guy who he just went up two weight classes to find and thought he had any chance of winning that fight. So why not save your brains a little bit? But I will say this. This is the impressive thing about Lomachenko. I know a lot of people were upset yesterday, and a lot of people are discrediting. The first place we always go in boxing, uh, especially for the people who are peeping behind, peeping into the, the circus tent a little bit, oh, what we got going on here? This has been heavily publicized on ESPN. Uh, you know, they want to discredit Guillermo Rigondeau and say, this guy's no good. He wasn't a, a big enough test for Vasily Lomachenko. Look, there was some gimmick to this fight. There's no doubt about that. Guillermo Rigondeau is going up uh, very, very in, in, uh, big in weight. You know, he was outweighed by eight pounds going into last night. Significant difference at, at those weight classes right there. But you, you can't discredit how good that guy is, how foolish he makes a lot of people look. And to think that the tables were turned on him the way they were, where he couldn't deal with the speed, he couldn't deal with the angles, he couldn't deal with... Uh, his tricks not working against Vasily Lomachenko. You know, all the all the tactics that Lomachenko went in there, all those things were broken down. It was an interesting thing where yesterday we're watching in the lead-up to the fight and we're watching the ESPN undercard, and him and his father both have all the tricks that Rigondeau brings to the table to try and make his opponent uncomfortable, to try and put them in awkward spots. And... They had that all brought out by the referee. And the referee, I don't think, did a fantastic job yesterday. You know, he was uh, he did eventually take a point away from Guillermo for, uh, for holding too much, took a point from him. That, I think, was 
really the 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 straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, for Rigondeaux's chances, and that's probably why he didn't come out for the seventh round. But it's crazy. This has now happened. He's retired fighters in four straight fights, really broken the will of the fighters, I would say, in, in two of the last four fights. You think back to that Nicholas Walters fight where it's not really a case of Nicholas Walters was getting pummeled to the point where, you know, he's he's staggering and he can't get out there and he, and he can't go forth the next handful of rounds. Same thing with Rigondeaux. You know, hand injury or no hand injury, he wasn't beaten to the point where he's staggering, he doesn't have his wits about him, he's barely he's barely conscious. It's not that kind of a beating. What you have here is, in, in Vasily Lomachenko, is a guy who is bringing such a systematic breakdown of you. It, it's like nothing you're seeing in the in the ring. It's nothing you're, you're training for. He takes all of your best moves and disposes of them in about two rounds. And that is what is so demoralizing to a lot of the guys he's going in there. It's not just that he's beating you and and hurting you. It's not so much the hurt. It's the mental warfare that he puts on you, that all the all the things you think are going to work, all the things that have worked against other opponents, they're not working with him. He's going in there and he's saying, "Oh, you want to you want to you want to duck down real low and and you make it basically impossible for people to hit you, eventually I'll hit you. Or you want to try these moves where you're turning your back to me, I'll completely move around you like like it's like it's musical chairs, and I'll be slipped right behind you, and you won't know what hit you. That's the thing that makes him great. It's, it's, it's all the little intricacies of the fight game He that you think you have figured out, he is taking from you, and 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 flipping it it's flipping it on, on its head and making it worse for you that's really what the the masterful art is so most exciting fight last night certainly not uh all out war that was maybe publicized to the mainstream audience not really um uh, but did we did we come out of last night knowing who the best technician was in the sport of boxing right now definitely so Vasily Lomachenko right now there's there's not a better person walking the planet as far as has the mastery of the sweet science perfected than him. He comes in the ring, seemingly gets better every single time that he's out there, and made Rigondeaux look very foolish. Says he wants Mikey Garcia next. I'm all for that fight. Sounds like a great matchup. Let's get that one going. Um, what are the challenges out there for Lomachenko? Here's the thing. You know, this was another thing. Uh, on social media, I was getting a bunch last night. Hey, he needs a real opponent. He needs to. He needs. A, he needs a real challenge. Make no mistake, the guy he's fighting is a real challenge. Rigandau was a challenge. He's been, he hasn't lost, so it's not like he was fighting some bum. Was it gimmicky because he was fighting a guy coming up and wait? Certainly. That 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 is uh, that definitely has to be a factor that's thrown out there. But I don't think any of us look at last night and say. Right, other than the fact that Rigandau, who doesn't knock out a ton of guys, probably didn't have any wherewithal to stop Vasily Lomachenko, the skill set clearly sh- showed a guy in Guillermo Rigandau, old school, uh, a lot of old school, traditional Cuban boxing tactics, you know, things that have gotten him a lot of success. And Lomachenko, it seems like, 
he is he is morphing into a hybrid. Every single time he gets in there, you're seeing, if not something new, something even better from him than we saw the last time. That they're, they're just getting that much slicker. So you would think going and, and you're going to fight a guy who's two weight classes below you naturally maybe should be a little bit harder to hit, maybe should be a little bit faster. It was none of that. It was it was he was easy to hit, he was easy to find. Um and if he wasn't really and in all honesty, if Rigandau wasn't cheating, uh he wasn't really having much success outside of a, a few combinations here and there. It was uh it was a systematic breakdown. Lomachenko really staked his claim yesterday as one of the best pound for pound on the planet. Is he the best pound for pound on the planet? Uh, I think the argument gets tougher with each win. I think that certainly is the case. He not only is getting better every time he goes out there, but I, I, guys, we just we don't see this. You don't see fighters. Think about all the things Guillermo Rigondeaux has been through in his life. Olympic champion, defecting Cuba, um, having to to sell gold medals to feed his family back at home, um, you know, basically doing a sport he's not crazy about, so he didn't have to do hard labor in Cuba. This is a hard person, and he's had a lot of success in the sweet science, and the opponent he just faced made it so difficult on him. He's just like, man, there's no point in doing this. That is what makes Lomachenko great. When he fought Nicholas Walters, champion, he wasn't beating him in body. He was beating him in mind. And that is what Lomachenko is bringing to the table that other guys just don't have right now. You are mentally broken against him. It's crushing guys that they can't figure him out. They can't even come close. They don't even have any kind of way to solve this riddle right now that's the kind of peak that he's in so that early loss that he took in his career to to Salido is getting far in the rearview mirror people don't care about it it's not a big thing in people's mind and he is a lot of fun to watch that's another thing last night probably you know you think back to his last couple fights where he's you know putting hands behind the back doing uh doing the encouragement to come in last night uh, did it get a lot of? I think he was very frustrated by a lot of the things Rigondeaux was trying and and was just finding any way to make contact with his face. But you know, eventually, like Rigondeaux's doing the thing where he's ducking below the waistline and he's still he's still figuring out how to hit that. You know, three straight uppercuts and you know, f- demoralizing, completely demoralizing to Guillermo Rigondeaux. So. A really, really great showing last night for Vasily Lomachenko. Not the most exciting fight in the world. Certainly didn't live up, I think, to the billing or the expectations to a lot of people. But that just speaks, I think, right now to Nomaschenko, uh, which I love. It's a fantastic nickname. It's a fantastic marketing ploy. Nomaschenko. Uh, it just speaks to right now how great he is. And sometimes that just has to be appreciated rather than debunking and and discrediting that's always where we want to go first is ah Rigondeaux's too old ah Rigondeaux's too small those aren't factors that aren't true but they're not true enough to take away all of what you're seeing and so yeah eventually Lomachenko's probably gonna have to go up and wait 
and find more challenging opponents and take some more risks to really silence the doubters because that's what's bo- that's what boxing is you know you you can you, you can be chasing and fighting off doubters your entire career a lot of the times people just go and, and they try and find the discredit right now i'm telling you you should just enjoy what you're watching in the ring because that guy is is very very entertaining he's bringing a very very unique skill set to the ring and yeah for for from my standpoint is definitely one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet right now uh if you want to knock him down some notches because of the weight class that he fights at or if you want to knock him down because you just haven't seen it enough that's fine but to say that he's not for real or that he's he's anything uh but fantastic i think you're just i, I think at that point you're 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 just leaving living in haterville like you, you just can't grasp um what you're watching and 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 I, i'm telling you like I'm a, I'm a person who watches a lot of fights and you know you see fights stopped all the time you see sometimes you know fights should be stopped probably earlier a lot of the times than they are and they let guys go out there and, and they let them take a beating to where there's no point but this is different in in that you just seeing fighters say there's no point to this i i did not train for this i did not get ready for this i am nowhere capable of figuring this out in the next handful of rounds to have any shot of winning the fight and to 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 that standpoint what can you say about a guy in, in Lomachenko if he's making his opponents that helpless it's very very impressive crazy antics going on at Hialeah Racetrack this past Friday for the Premier Boxing Champions card We'll get into a little bit of UFC from last night. A lot of things happening in the fight world, news-wise. Uh, Dana White upset with a possible Manny Pacquiao-Conor McGregor matchup. We'll hear those, uh, or we'll, we'll discuss those quotes and that response from Dana White last night. And do we have a new number one contender at 145 pounds? That's next on Fighters Fury. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Tobin here with you on Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket, taking you up until around 10 o'clock. So Friday night, we're out at Hialeah Park for Warriors Boxing, Premier Boxing Champions on Fox Sports 1. You uh, you had John Pascal in his retirement fight. He got himself a win, uh, which is cool. I wasn't even really into that, though. I was most into watching the late edition, Luis Ortiz, make his return. You know, he was supposed to fight Deontay Wilder, last month or, or maybe six weeks ago and he uh he popped on a performance enhancing drug test something to do with uh with a condition that he had or so he claimed and that's and that's why he wasn't able to go and that's why the test came up the way it did so but he did have a, another test in his past so there wasn't a big benefit of the doubt given to Luis Ortiz and so that fight was scrapped and we know what happened Deontay Wilder he ended up having the highlight first round against Berman Stavern knocking him knocking him down three times, eventually stopping the fight in the in the span of about 90 seconds. That's when he really brought the onslaught. But, you know, this got everybody on on the road of all right, let's finally get going with this Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua thing. You know, when are these two actually gonna get into the ring with one another? And it seems like momentum's starting to go that way. However, 
it doesn't seem like these guys are going to fight each other next. Will we get it later on in the year? Maybe. It, it definitely seems like they're willing to fight each other, that they want to fight each other. But hearing a lot of comments from Eddie Hearn, Anthony Joshua's promoter, he seems more in the camp of this thing needs a little bit more buildup. Uh, and I'm genuinely upset when promoters try and do this because it seems like they're trying to drag out the cash cow. But I can see I can see the point more with this one because the heavyweight division, it was a little bit unsettled with Tyson Fury and all the stuff that went out with him. Anthony Joshua really came onto the frame of people's minds just this past year. Deontay Wilder, he was out with injury. He's starting to really, really finally get that grip of people taking him serious as a, a, a part of the heavyweight championship. So I can understand this needing a little bit more simmering. Now, it's it, it really is pointing into the direction of Anthony Joshua's next fight is going to be against Joseph Parker. If that's the case, Deontay needs a dance partner. He needs somebody to keep himself fresh in people's mind because you got a couple of things you got to compete against here. One is you need if 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 Anthony Joshua isn't going to fight you, you need to continue to be in the race of being more impressive you know Anthony Joshua's last fight wasn't very impressive against Carlos Takam and you can credit Carlos Carlos Takam late switch opponent and because of that you know Anthony was a little bit hesitant he did get his nose broken by a headbutt early in that fight but and, and even the stoppage I think you could question it being um premature and almost like it felt like a bailout so they could keep a stop streak going for Anthony Joshua so Deontay Wilder for the first time I think in a lot of people's mind had a at a at a run where his performance against Bermain Stavern even though it was a rematch even though his was a late opponent it was more impressive he did do a late opponent replacement what people thought Joshua should have done but people still want to see that Luis Ortiz fight. That was a that was that was really supposed to be a coming coming out party, if you will. Even with almost forty pro fights, Deontay Wilder has a lot of proving to do. You know, like we talked about last segment with Lomachenko, where people want to discredit you, people want to take away, uh, people are always quick. Um, people want to discredit you, and people are are slow to put the crown on you. And that's especially true in heavyweight. Heavyweight's been a division for a long time more so than others where people people are at an arm's distance the heavyweight championship means more to people in a way that other things don't in boxing and so this Luis Ortiz fight undefeated awkward dangerous this was the opponent where people looked at Deontay Wilder after what has been seemed as as a run with PBC that he's being protected a little bit that he's taken on a lot of uh tomato cans and and old guys and past their primes and Luis Ortiz is old but he's dangerous he's undefeated he's got power he's awkward not a lot of guys want to get in the ring with him there's not a lot of star power there but getting to Friday night we were uh I was in a tent went with my father-in-law Beast was with us and we went to Hialeah Racetrack and it's about second fight into the to the main card, you know. So we're getting at about 9.45 here, I would say, if my timeline's correct. And all of a sudden, you look down. We were in the, uh, we were in the tier right above 
um, in the Ox Media uh, seating. So we're basically, we were just in the stands. And, you know, we look down and, and you see this giant, giant gentleman down there. And he he looks monstrous. He looks, he's got to be, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, 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 He's just towering over everybody. And I just, I, I noticed the profile. I'm like, man, that that chin looks a lot like Deontay Wilder. I, it just, it you know, you can see the frame and it just comes to your mind. You watch, we all watch a lot of fights who, who listen to this show. And it looked a lot like Deontay Wilder. You know, he's taking a lot of pictures. People want his time and are trying to, to to get either selfies or whatnot with the with the uh, with the gentleman sits down and they eventually put the camera on him boom there's Deontay Wilder I'm like oh and it, it took a second for two and two to get together with me we're like and I'm thinking oh wait Luis Ortiz is fighting fighting next he's not just in Miami for no reason he's he's here to set something up so I'm telling my my, my father-in-law I'm telling Beast I'm like this is what's gonna happen here uh he's he's going I, I thought from the standpoint of Deontay is there because he's gonna call out Luis Ortiz one way or another. But here's what ends up happening. So Luis Ortiz ends up fighting this giant six seven dude, Daniel Martz. Uh didn't, you know, not a big challenge for him. Dice threw him in about in a in in just over a round. You know, put him on the canvas with a body shot in the first round. Might have been low. I didn't have a great vantage point of it. Um, but either way, puts him on the canvas once with a body shot in the first round. Second round, uh, hits him with a monster, a monster shot, puts him to sleep right away. And Luis Ortiz jumps out of the, uh, jumps, puts his head through the, the through the ropes, starts, uh, jawing at Deontay Wilder. They're cursing at each other. They're getting really intense. And Deontay at this point, I, I missed a detail. Deontay had gone around the ring. And he had joined PBC on their broadcast, or he joined Fox Sports 1 on their broadcast of the fight. And so, Luis Ortiz has a, has a just a perfect view. Masterful setup there by Fox Sports 1. You know, I don't know if this was Deontay's idea. I don't know if it was Fox Sports 1's idea. Whoever it was, made for great television. And we could all, we were watching this all develop as it was happening. You know, Deontay was ringside for one fight, snuck his way over during the third fight to uh to get to you know after the fight to get there did an interview hey why don't you sit down for the broadcast all right i'll sit down for the broadcast and he's right there and so luis ortiz knocks out his opponent puts his head through the ropes starts calling out deontay wilder um and the other the, here's the one the one big fail i don't know who this is on i don't know if this is on the facility i don't know if this is on fox sports one i don't know if this is on pbc i don't know if this is on the promoter but no no uh no house speakers we couldn't hear if you were in the audience we couldn't hear what Deontay and Luis Ortiz were saying so all we all we see right now is you know Deontay throws off the headset gets into the ring and we're like oh it's about to go down right here these guys are setting up fantastic job of promotion and Deontay and Luis Ortiz you know the 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 crowd very pro Ortiz, obviously. You know Cuban native, fights out of Miami. People are saying Cuba, 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 King Kong, King Kong, King Kong. You know he won. He gets up on the rope, starts doing the King Kong, pounding his chest. You know the the crowd's fired up. Deontay gets to the ring. They're staring each other down, and uh, Luis Ortiz saying, "Are you gonna fight me? Are you gonna fight me?" Deontay says uh, he's going to fight him, apparently. This is – we can't hear. This is what – you know, I went back afterwards and I watched the uh, I watched the tape 
because uh, I, I DVR'd it on Fox Sports 1. But for the time, you just see these guys staring down each other, and they're just jawing at each other the entire time, and the crowd's pro-Ortiz, pro-Ortiz, they're cheering for him. And just a really cool setup we got to see. We really got to – We got it's not something we get much down here. A lot of the times, you know, the big fights are avoided down here, and, and it was cool that we had a fight that was on national TV – that it, it, it had a, a big contender in Luis Ortiz making his his return to the ring, a little bit of a tuna fight for sure, wasn't a, a dangerous opponent. But even though it wasn't a fantastic fight, you got a little dessert with it. You got a little you got a little chicanery, you got a little shenanigans going. The crowd's going crazy, got yourself a fight set up. And I will say this, you know, I think Deontay can beat Luis Ortiz the way he's going right now. Um, you don't, you didn't get a great look at Luis Ortiz. Obviously, he's fighting a really tall guy to try and set that up, see how he can get his range on that. We have seen Deontay get hit before, but that right hand, it's the touch of death right now in boxing. I mean, he really, really hurts people. He does say what you want about Deontay Wilder. Wild tactics, not the, uh, not the, not the pretty, not, he's not Lomachenko, but remember, he's 6'7". It's a different breed of animal. Like, he is not the little welterweight who is going to be super quick tactics. He is he is huge telephone poles coming at you. One hits you. You go night-night. That's, that's how he rolls. Uh, Luis Ortiz, super awkward, can stop people, not easy to hit, makes guys very uncomfortable. Again, has that, you know, sideways face in traditional Cuban style, not easy to hit, very good defensive tactics. It makes for a fun matchup. And so though we're not getting Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua right away, I will give credit to both of those guys. They're not just taking tune-ups. They are taking on credible opponents next to hopefully build up the hype for their fight even more. And that was a really, really fun night, man. That was that was a, a cool uh, event that went down at Hialeah Park. Props to all parties involved for putting on a good show. It was really, really fun to watch. And I can't wait to see those two uh, get it on next and then, and then see Joshua take on Parker. And then hopefully, if all things go the way they want, we'll get the mega fight down the road of Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. And that should make for a really, really fun heavyweight title matchup. Pending also, we have the Tyson Fury return whenever the hell that's going to happen he was having call outs this week of the quote-unquote bums who are calling him out guys who are trying to get famous off his name and we'll see what happens with Tyson Fury it's interesting you, you see he's training you see that he's trying to get into shape uh what will he do first in his return look we've been over this many a times on this show um there's been many uh, a popular vote uh the fans in London they want to see him fight Shannon Briggs in his return fight before he gets back into the mix of this so will that be the case? Will he fight a Tony Bellew next? Bellew is is tied up because he's got to fight David Hay in May. Um, does he fight a David Price next? Those two seem pretty chummy lately on social media. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Tyson Fury. I know what I want to see. I know what the fans down here want to see. I know what the fans in London have voted to see. Will he make that happen? I don't know. But for right now, what we do have clarity on is looks like Wilder, Joshua, later on in 2018, but both of them are going to have pretty good pre-fights to their bout 
So that's very, very exciting. We'll get into a little bit of UFC, a lot of things going down. Dana White having a lot of interesting things to say about what's going on with his promotion, his biggest star. Will we see Conor McGregor anytime in 2018? What is Conor McGregor saying about his next opponent, his next fight? And what do we do with 145 with the, the next title shot at Max Holloway? Frank Yeager's hurt. Last night we had a guess what you could call a number one contendership fight but maybe not the result we were expecting. We'll tell you about that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. So last night we had UFC fight night in Fresno. A couple of the highlights were in the last three fights. Although, shout-out to Alexis Davis for, for winning her fight over Liz Carmouche with a, with a Quasimodo head. That, that is very impressive. You guys got to see this. I'll tweet this out. What, what her face looked like at the end of that match was insane, man. It was very, very gruesome. But last night, the, the main event was Brian Ortega taking on Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson on the last fight of his UFC deal was rolling the dice a little bit, hoping that he could get a win over Brian Ortega, maybe set himself up there for a rematch with... Max Holloway this time for the featherweight title and instead was was getting the better of Brian Ortega on the feet, which you expect got very, very lucky at the end of the first round because he got put in a, a nasty, nasty choke that if there was, I'd say, an extra 10 seconds, that fight is probably over. So they're in the midst of the second round. Ortega, he goes for he goes to to pin up Cub Swanson on the on the on the cage. And they're in the clench and puts in a nasty guillotine, uses Cub Swanson almost as leverage on himself, and, and Swanson has to tap. So Brian Ortega is your winner there, number six featherweight in the world. Is it crazy that he gets a title shot next? I think with him winning and still being very fresh in people's minds, he's super young, he's undefeated, I think with him he's probably going to need another win to solidify that chance. He's got one thing really going for him, and that's that he hasn't fought Max Holloway yet. That's the problem. You look at Max Holloway right now. He has just cleaned out that entire division. So you are looking for new blood. That's always an interesting thing when you have a guy who's had as much dominance over a division as Max Holloway has. Who hasn't he fought? Who could present a new challenge? Who could do new things? And Brian Ortega is certainly in that class. I think you're looking at a guy who's not going to try and, and, and exchange with Max Holloway, and, and that has been one thing that Max has benefited from, that he's gone in there, and a lot of guys have wanted to stand and bang with him, and he's a much, he's a very big featherweight, and he's gotten the better of it. He's got he's got extremely uh, long reach, he's got, he's got interesting angles that he comes at you with, and a lot of the times, he finds a place for those fists and puts his opponents down. Brian Ortega... This is the one thing that you notice about Brian Ortega. He's also a, a bigger featherweight. He's got a massive dome on him, and he's got a pretty fresh chin. So when you're watching this fight with Cub Swanson yesterday, you know Cub Swanson's putting a lot on 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 his head as far as shots are concerned. But you got to think that that massive head of his, like he could just take shots and absorb them. Like I'm telling you, Brian Ortega has a dome on him, and. He was able to eat the shots pretty well, kept going forward enough so that he was willing to risk uh, trying to put Cub Swanson on the cage. He charged at him a little bit, didn't feel like he was in danger, and 
his his jiu-jitsu is extremely dangerous so that is an interesting new challenge for max holloway that certainly presents an interesting style whenever he gets his way to the belt it sounds like after yesterday's comments dana white says no shot that ortega leapfrogs frankie edgar that's the fight they want to do next give frankie edgar his title shot against max holloway i can respect it uh, frankie edgar earned that shot and just got hurt and max holloway just fought so if it's a minor thing and you're going to have frankie edgar back soon i'm all for having those guys uh having those guys square off and maybe getting brandon uh brian ortega one more fight uh does he fight a ricardo lamas ricardo lamas is fighting next week on the lawler rafael dos anjos card he's number three right now in the world um you got to imagine there's probably going to be some reshuffling of that top five because Jose Aldo is up there as number one. Um, Frankie's number one right now. And Cub Swanson was four. So you imagine that you got to imagine Brian Ortega is probably going to be in the top three. Like he's not far away from getting a title shot. And you never know. As far as Cub Swanson is concerned, you feel for him. You know, his wife and his, and his newborn daughter were, were cage side. And he was obviously a roll of the dice. Dana White says that he wants him. Uh, he likes having his Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson is just one of those guys, man. He brings it every time. It's a fan- He's never in a boring fight. And will he ever get to that goal? I don't know. You know, they said about that. They said that about Michael Bisbing for the longest time. And Michael Bisbing one day got a call. Could you replace in a title fight against Luke Rockhold? He did. He won. And we never thought Michael Bisbing was ever going to be the bride. You always thought he was going to be second fiddle, gatekeeper. And he eventually got that moment and that opportunity to win titles. So I think Cub Swanson is certainly good enough and talented enough to go in there against a Max Holloway and maybe find a way to beat him. You know, he lost the first time they fought off, but you know, Cub Swanson's vicious, man. He is, he is really, really good. And, you know, at one point, I think he had a seven-fight win streak. He's just extremely talented. Um, but he does go to the back of the line a little bit here after losing to the young gun. And it may take a late replacement. Hey, Cub, can you can you step in here? That may be the door that he needs to get to the title. Right now, becoming a pure number one contender is going to be pretty hard for him. But a great showing last night for Brian Ortega. Very, very impressive. Um, as far as last night, the, the big highlights... Yeah, uh, Marlon Moraes had a maybe knockout of the year against Aljamain Sterling. You guys can go to my Twitter account, at Brendan underscore Tobin. Um, I posted the link up there if you guys want to check that out. You know, Aljamain was coming in for a takedown, thought he had it, and just got boomed with this. It was almost like a high knee. Well, I guess it's not a high knee because he was, he, his head was low. He's coming in, but Moraes just, as Aljamain, Aljo was coming in, just hits him right on the side of the head with this vicious knee. He face plants. I saw a lot of people were upset that that Fox Sports 1 didn't stay with Aljo. It didn't really give an update on Aljamain Sterling. I don't know who's in charge there. I'm not smart enough to know who's in charge there. But I do know, very vicious knockout. He's apparently okay. And tweeted up afterwards, giving an explanation of what happened and gives credit to Marais. But a really, really impressive knockout there. Knockout of the year candidate. I have a hard time right now. This is just for me. I think there's been knockouts that have come in more fantastic style. But from my standpoint, knockout of the year right now has to be Francis Ngannou over Alistair Overeem. And I'll tell you why. I think it it put Francis Ngannou 
on the map as far as being one of the UFC's marquee guys. You know, there was a lot of hype going into that for him. He had a lot on the line. People were wondering, is he for real? And just the way that knockout happened, how Overeem reacted to the knockout, that he was put out, his lights were put out. From my standpoint right now, and there's still a little bit of time left, that's knockout of the year just because of the stakes on it, you know? I'm always going to lean in favor of, what was this, a title fight? Was this, uh, what was on the line here? For me, those a lot of the times when there's close things, that's a tiebreaker for me. So, Marias versus Aljamain Sterling, yeah, super impressive knockout, but it's not gonna be remembered. I think like Fra- Francis Ngannou, that's gonna be that could be a logo. Remember when Dan Henderson had Michael Bisbing when he knocked him out at UFC 100? That was his logo. That could be Francis Ngannou's logo for his career. That's that's the kind of imprint that one has on my mind. And from my standpoint, that's a tough one to displace. Even I, And I know it happened recently, and maybe my mind's a little bit foggy, but it is what it is. You know, I think this UFC it had a, a tough first three quarters of the year, and it's, it's had a really good run, I think, of late the last couple months. But nothing tops what Francis Ngannou did, from my mind, as far as a moment is concerned, because I think it, it gave us a, a big matchup no Conor McGregor, no, oh, where's Ronda Rousey? None of that nonsense. It was just a, another moment we were super excited to see, and I, I, I think it's knockout of the year for me. That, that, those, are, those are my reasons for putting it there. Um, as far as Conor McGregor is concerned, there are some interesting things out there with Conor. And this week, a report came out that Manny Pacquiao – he comes out and says that they have had talks about a potential fight with Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor's in an interesting spot right now because we don't know when he's coming back. There was a report this week from Bleacher Report's Jeremy Botter that Conor and the UFC had failed negotiations for a return bout. And because of that, we don't know when we're going to see him again. We don't know if we're going to see him again. Uh, will he go to boxing? If, if he doesn't get all that he wants from the UFC, will he try and go off and step into the ring again instead of the octagon? Now, Dana White yesterday, he came out after the fight card, and he says that if it's true that Manny Pacquiao is trying to negotiate with Conor McGregor, he's going to sue him and whoever represents him. P.S. He's represented by Bob Arum, so I, I, I can understand why Dana wants to do that. Those guys got no love lost between them. However, the interesting thing here, and this is where we don't know really where things stand, um, since Conor McGregor, since Conor McGregor is technically a licensed boxer now, does he have any protection under the Ali Act? Is he able to break off with the UFC with no legal consequences? Don't know. You know, this has happened before recently with uh, with Rampage Jackson, where Rampage thought his contract was up. And he went and fought for Bellator. And he was able to put off the legal decision enough that he was able to make that fight for Bellator. Then eventually he had to go back and fight for the UFC and fight off his contract there before he could return to Bellator. Now, this is obviously different because 
there's a lot more at stake for a guy fighting than Rampage Jackson at the end of his career. This is the hottest commodity in combat sports today, Conor McGregor. And I don't know how this is going to turn out legally. Conor says he has every intention of fighting in 2018, says that fighters now have to lobby to fight him, and even tweeted out last night because it was this interesting, um, not interesting, horrifying really video of Connor, of Joanna and Jacek cutting weight from 2015. And Connor puts on the comment of the video uh, as if, as if uh, in quotes, when's the next one, champ? What about the next one, champ? And he says, every fat fool who's never taken a clatter off their ma for a millisecond after your last fight. Be smart, fight nation, with a praying emoji. And just saying, like, don't rush him. I'll come back when I want to come back. And he also followed that up with the one, the only, the champ champ. Still recognizing himself as the double champ. So, look, I want to see Conor McGregor back in the UFC. I don't have a ton of interest in watching him box again. It doesn't – there's a couple reasons for that. One – I think we saw the difference in skill set. You know, there were comments that came out this week where Floyd's like, ah, I carried I carried Connor. I carried Connor and and I made it look good for you guys. And to this I say with that Floyd Mayweather. Floyd couldn't have come out there in the first couple rounds and put away Connor McGregor. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have that skill set. What he did was he waited Connor out, he let Connor punch himself out, and then hit him enough where Connor was so tired that he couldn't put his hands up and the ref had to stop it. All right. It's not like he beat Connor into a bloody submission. That's not what happened in that fight. But it did show the difference in skill set. It did show how far Connor has to go to beat elite boxers. And he was very, very hittable. So this matchup against Manny Pacquiao, one, I think it's a dangerous matchup for Connor McGregor. Because his skill set that he brings to the ring is he goes, he seeks, and he destroys your face. And for all those of you who want to say Manny Pacquiao doesn't have power, yeah, he hasn't stopped a fight since 2009. But he's broken orbital bones. He's put a lot of guys on the canvas. He's hurt a lot of guys. Go look at their faces afterwards. And it may end up being worse than you getting put down in one shot. So this could almost be like an Antonio Margarito rebirth if you have Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor get into a ring with one another. Is, 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 is Manny more hittable? Uh, sure, I guess, if you want to. But what's kind of bringing to the table? We've seen his punching power in boxing. It ain't what it is in the UFC. So I don't know what you're expecting him to dish out to Manny Pacquiao. And what Manny Pacquiao would return to him, that could be bad news for Conor McGregor. I'm just telling you, that's not a matchup I think he wants. And from my standpoint, I want to see him be great at what he's great at. I don't want to see Conor McGregor in another sport. He's not a great boxer. It was fun, but this is taking a step back. I got, I was all on the money train. I wanted to see the fight. I wanted to see the spectacle. I wanted to see the show. There's nothing wrong with wanting to see the show, but I've seen it. All right? There's no going back here. This is a, this is a bum-level sequel, and it's not that I don't love. You're talking about Manny Pacquiao, my favorite boxer to watch of all time. I love Manny Pacquiao. I don't want to see him fight Conor McGregor. I want to see him fight Terrence Crawford. I want to see him fight a boxer. I want to see that matchup. And it's good for those guys. I understand. You want to see those guys get rich, get your money. There's no hate there. But this is me talking as the fan. And I'm allowed to complain about 
and be happy with whatever I see fit. And from my standpoint, seeing Conor McGregor fight Manny Pacquiao does nothing for me. Seeing Conor McGregor fight Tony Ferguson, that's something. You see him fight George St. Pierre, that's something. Tyron Woodley, I'm in. See him fight Max Holloway, I'm in. I want to see Conor McGregor be great at being a mixed martial artist because that's what he is, one of the best mixed martial artists on the planet. Not one of the best boxers on the planet. He's not one of the second best boxers on the planet. He's not a top 10 boxer on the planet. not a top 50 boxer on the planet. So go be good what you're good at. That's what I want to see. All right, guys, bonus segment here, Fighters Fury. I didn't get a chance to get any thoughts on George St. Pierre vacating his middleweight championship. I think everybody who follows the sport, their reaction is not surprised, not not surprised from George St. Pierre that he is vacating the middleweight title. And I'm, I'm glad that he did it so quick. I'm glad this isn't something where George had to fake like he was uh, – fake like he was really struggling over the decision on whether or not he wanted to defend the middleweight title that's not a thing man he wasn't going to do that this was this was plain and simple come back get your comeback moment win the middleweight title and let's see what happens let's see if you uh let's see if he can have that that magic still after four years and he did he had his he had his great moment against michael bisbing a guy of his era but if he, is he going to sit there and he's going to try and join a, a, in a scrap with all these young dudes like Robert Whitaker? No, man, that's not. That's just not the. That's not the. That's that's not what he's there for. He's not. He's not going to go in there and start and start starting over defending all these dudes. So, I don't, man. I, I from my standpoint, it was uh, it was a cool story for GSP. I got no problem with him uh, getting that moment. Because I, I think a lot of people in that middleweight division didn't really look at Michael Bisbing as a huge, true champion anyway. So I don't have a problem. We move on. We got Luke Rockhold versus Robert Whitaker. I like that matchup. That's a fun fight. And we, we, we can just roll on with it. We don't have to have this big song and dance. It's good that we don't have two guest games like we do with Connor in the lightweight division and all the drama that's going to break up there. And... Have we seen the last of George? I, I wouldn't be surprised if George comes back either. I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, GSP return and, and fight Tyron Woodley or, you know, the big rumors that he wants to get the Connor fight. We see those guys at 170. That's definitely possible. But uh, I, the, to have the same song and dance of, uh, oh, is he going to come back and fight at 185? Nah, man, forget that. Uh, Hialeah Brad, Nomaschenko, is he pound for pound number one? It's harder. It's it's getting harder and harder to argue. I mean, what he's doing, man, he is out there and he is he is going out there and he is breaking people's minds. Like that is the thing that is impressive about him. He is. You, you don't see anything like that. Usually, guys get beaten into submission and they're out there and they can't physically go on anymore. That these guys are just saying, "There's no point. I can't figure this guy out. He's way better than anything I've ever trained for," and so. When Abreu, when you say, oh, what the hell happened to him? I just don't think he was ready. Like, this is a guy who has hundreds of fights on his resume. He's never dealt with anything like that before. And that's why that's why he quits. That's why he says in the stool, no mas, no, I can't go on anymore. Because what's the point? He had a point taken away from him. And we don't really... There's no, there's no reason to go on anymore. Is it the warrior way to go? Is it the, 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 the knockouts? That's not who he is. 
You know, Rigandau, got to remember, he's fighting, he's going up in weight by, by two weight classes. So because of that, he's not knocking the guy out. So if you can't knock him out and you can't beat him on points, what's the point? And, and that's what I think happened. I think he just realized there's no point. Mike in LA, my dog. Uh, can we get somebody to fight Deadbeat Jeets? I hope so, man. I don't know what to tell you. Last night was rough. Yesterday was rough for me for two reasons with Derek Jeter. And I know I'm doing mostly fight stuff here, but I will say this. This uh, this this Deadbeat Jeets, it's not only that he trades him to the Yankees, which is just a bad look in general. It feels like Major League Baseball used the Marlins to make a super team. That's what sucks. And the other thing that sucks is that my whole family's Yankee fans, and I'm tired of hearing the bull crap yesterday. It was awful, man. I really, really hated that. Um, but we'll get plenty of that into this this week. Um, as far as so anyway, as far as the middleweight division's concerned, uh, excited for Luke Rockhold against against uh, against Robert Whitaker. That's a fun fight. And then we got Stipe Francis and Ghana. That was made official for this week. So that's our last uh, segment of Fighters Fury. Uh, if anybody else has anything. Uh, do you think Jeet's planned this whole trade? No, because I don't think he's that smart. I don't want to give Derek Jeter that much credit. But it doesn't look good. I'll tell you that. For people who haven't been following yesterday, here's the thing. If you haven't been following the Derek Jeter Marlins thing this entire time, it's a really bad look. Um, but that's what Stan wanted. Look, Stan's no dummy. He wanted to go to the, t if he's going to leave, if he's going to not be awesome in Miami, he's going to go out and he's going to go live in a city. He's going to live in a big city and he's going to live on a, in a, on a team that's close to winning, really close to winning. Otherwise you collect your, your $300 million and you live in one of the greatest cities in the world with your 300, uh, with your $3 million penthouse, your ladies, what does he have to leave for? So no, man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think Derek Jeter plan this whole thing. I can't give Derek Jeter that much credit. He's a dummy. He's terrible. And so, yeah, Wildcat. I mean, yeah, the, 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 it, I, I swear to God, I don't know how many times my dad would make the joke to me when I, whenever I mentioned a good Marlon, be like, can't wait till he's in pinstripes. That's not really supposed to happen. And that's what happened. It's, it, it's so, that's what's so frustrating about it, man. That's not supposed to happen. You're not really supposed to go to the Yankees and deadbeat cheats. What can we do? We go on. We go on with life is what we do. Everybody have a great Sunday. I will talk to you guys uh, morning show, one to three, the whole shebang. Hope you guys stay warm and uh, love you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t